Chapter Eleven of Nelly Channel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Nelly Channel by Sarah Dowdney. Chapter Eleven. Nelly Channel. The little village seemed to lie asleep in the August sunshine. From the upland where she stood, Nellie could see the columns of pale smoke going up from cottage chimneys, but nobody was astir in the gardens. It was noon. Scarcely a flake of cloud relieved the intense blue overhead. Not a breath of wind fanned the thick leafage in the copse behind her. Nellie Channel was not sorry that the morning was over. Like most people who have a great deal of time on their hands, she was often puzzled about the disposal of it. When she had diligently practiced on the piano indoors and had paid a visit to the little stepbrother and sister in the nursery, there was nothing more to be done. She used sometimes to say that this part of her life was like an isthmus, connecting the two continents of schoolgirlhood and womanhood. On this morning she carried a book out of doors and had read it from beginning to end. It was a book that had been recommended to her by Mrs. Channel. Nellie had a great reverence for her stepmother's opinion, but the story had not pleased her at all. It was directly opposed to all her notions of right and wrong. She even went so far as to say to herself that it ought never to have been written. Nellie was a girl who generally spoke her mind, a little bluntly sometimes, but always with that natural earnestness which makes one forgive the bluntness. As the distant church clock struck twelve, and the stable clock repeated the strokes, she turned and went into the house. It was a large, handsome house which her father had built soon after his second marriage, about twelve years ago. But although they had coaxed the creepers to grow over the red bricks and wreath the doors and windows, Nellie always maintained that it was not so charming a place as the little vine-covered cottage where she was born. The cottage was still standing. She could see it from her father's hall door, and she had only to cross two fields and an orchard when she wanted to visit the dear old man and woman who had sheltered her in her childhood. On the threshold of the house stood Mrs. Channel with a light basket on her arm. I'm going to the cottage to see Mother, she explained. I have been making a new cap for her. Look, Nellie. She lifted the basket lid and afforded Nellie a glimpse of soft lace and lilac ribbons. Why didn't you let me make it, Mama? the girl asked. I think you ought to use these idle hands of mine if you want to keep them out of mischief. I gave you a book to read this morning, Mrs. Channel replied. Yes, I have read it and I don't like it, said candid Nellie, stepping back to lay the volume on the hall table. I will go with you to the cottage and we can talk it over. Arm in arm they walked through the sweet grass, keeping under the shadow of the hedges and trees. Mrs. Channel waited for the girl to speak again. I don't like the book, Nellie repeated after a pause. The writer seems to have strange ideas. The hero, a very poor hero, is false to the heroine. After getting engaged to her, he discovers that he can never love her, as he loves another girl, and of course she releases him from the engagement when she finds out the truth. But instead of representing him as the worthless fellow that he was, the author persists in showing us 
that he became a good husband and father he begins his career by an act of treachery and yet he prospers and is wonderfully happy with the wife of his choice it is too bad lewis moore was not a treacherous man said mrs channel quietly he made a great and terrible mistake but sometimes it is not easy to distinguish between a blunder and a crime the heroine alice had grace given her to make that distinction she saved him and herself from the effects of the blunder by setting him free she bade him go and marry margaret because she saw that margaret was the only woman who could make him happy he didn't deserve to be happy cried nelly he ought to have been sure of himself before he proposed to alice if i had been in alice's place i would have let him depart but not with a blessing she took it far too tamely i would have let him see that i despised him mrs channel thought within herself that the young often believe themselves a thousand times harder-hearted than they are those who feel the bitterest wrath when they think of an injury that has never come to them are the most patient and merciful when they actually meet it face to face but she did not say this to nelly the book was talked of no more that day and for many a day afterwards it stood neglected on mrs channel's shelves nelly had forgotten it after a night's sleep and the next morning's post brought her a surprise when she entered the breakfast-room her father was already seated at the table looking over his letters he held up one addressed in a legal-looking hand to miss ellen channel who is your new correspondent nelly he asked this is something different from the young ladyish epistles you're in the habit of receiving isn't it i don't know the writing she said opening it carelessly but in the next minute she laid it hastily before him read it father she cried old mr myrtle is dead and has left me three thousand pounds you remember how he made a pet of me in my school days mr channel read the letter in silence and then he looked up quickly into his daughter's face and put his hand on hers i hope no one is defrauded by this legacy he said gravely you will have quite enough without it nelly had mr myrtle any relations he used to say that he was quite alone in the world she answered his house was next to our school and the gardens joined that was how i came to see so much of him no one ever went to stay with him and he seldom had even a caller i wish he had left the money to a poorer girl remarked mr channel well nelly you will now have a hundred and fifty pounds a year to do as you like with i hope you'll spend it wisely my dear it was generally known throughout the county that nelly was the daughter of a rich man she was very pretty too although not so beautiful as her mother had been and at nineteen she was not without would-be suitors and admirers but not one of these was a man after robert channel's own heart they were hunting and sporting country gentlemen who talked of dogs and horses all day long he wanted a man of another stamp for nelly he did not care about long pedigrees nor did he hanker after ancestral lands he desired for his child a husband who would guide a young wife as bravely up the hill of sacrifice as over the plain called ease 
it might have been that robert channel thought too much of what the husband should be to the wife and too little of what the wife is to the husband there are moments in the life of the strongest men when only the touch of a woman's hand has kept them from turning into a wrong road but it is not easy for a father anxious for the safety of his girl's future to think of anything beyond her requirements nelly was a prize and mr channel could but daily pray that she might not be won by one who was unworthy of her End of chapter 11 Recording by John Brandon